As I mentioned in a previous Panaro perspective, there is a bipartisan consensus on the increasing threats posed to the United States and democratic freedoms around the globe from China. As the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, has testified publicly, if the United States does not make some fundamental adjustments, China could best us militarily, politically, technologically, and economically by 2030. While alarming, I am not surprised as my father, Angelo Panaro, who fought with Patton's army in World War II, told me as early as the 1970s to watch out for China. The American public is also acknowledging China as our foremost adversary. Over 60% now see China as a critical threat, up from 40% in 2019. Several recent studies by individuals and prestigious groups with impeccable credentials have underscored both the China across the board threat, but also outlined what our country needs to do to combat it. The Biden administration has numerous reviews underway, including a comprehensive one in the Department of Defense led by Eli Ratner, a noted China expert. So what are the facts about China? China actually now has more diplomatic embassies around the world than any other country. And frankly, they buy their way into some countries that were either neutral or actually US friends, partners, and even allies. China is clearly a peer threat economically. They are already the number one gross domestic product in purchasing power parity. What does that mean? While the US statistically still has the larger economy, China gets more for their dollar, and that gap is widening. This makes a huge difference in the cost to maintain their military, as they don't have an expensive volunteer force, and their industries don't have to make a profit or compete for resources in capital markets like we do here in the United States. China's hyper-competitive industrial capacity has much that is controlled by the state who can direct it at will. And unfortunately, the United States has become over-reliant on China for a range of key materials, such as prescription drugs, but especially rare earth materials, which are essential to defense production of our highest technology items. Their economic activities, called the Belt and Road Initiative, was originally developed to better connect China's bustling coastal metropolises with its less developed interior. But China has expanded it into a global scope. The Belt and Road Initiative is especially popular in developing nations where American influence has declined in recent years, and China is expanding their influence in our backyard of Central and South America. There is some good news here. It's not just the Congress that is spurred into action, but the new administration as well. In the recent talks with China and Alaska, the Biden team took a hardline approach to China that's been well received by those concerned about China's march to superiority. The tone is certainly more competitive than cooperative, although there's some areas where the U.S. could possibly work on shared interests like climate. 
The Congress is considering bipartisan legislation to counter China as a rising global power. It looks to bolster U.S. manufacturing and supply chains. There's legislation to deal with our over-reliance on rare earth minerals and to counter China and Huawei's push on 5G and to ensure we can continue to protect Taiwan, take on China's crackdown in Hong Kong, and condemn China's inhumane treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. All to deal with General Milley's and others' forecast of China as a risen great power. There was a book written about the Japanese surprise attack at Pearl Harbor entitled, At Dawn We Slept. This book pointed out how there were warning signs leading up to the attack, but the U.S. did not recognize them. The same is now true with China. We need to recognize that China has dramatically improved its economic prowess, is increasingly aggressive on the world diplomatic stage, and has substantially improved its technological and military capabilities, and in most cases, has stolen our research and intellectual property to attain that level. So we must both counter them and turn the tide on these adverse trends. The U.S. needs to remember our strategy in World War II that, can be, that came to be known as Freedom Sporge, when our country produced tens of thousands of ships, planes, tanks, and the weapons needed to defeat the Germans and Japanese. Those numbers from World War II are eye-watering. 86,000 tanks, 2.5 million trucks, 286,000 warplanes, 8,800 naval vessels, 5,600 merchant ships, 2.6 million machine guns, and 41 billion rounds of ammunition. This was our strategic advantage. However, China's industrial manufacturing cap capability in some cases is better than ours right now. We need to make sure that we do an industrial net assessment so we can make the needed changes there as well. Right now, China is outpacing the U.S. economically and politically. We need to make the needed adjustments. But also, if we don't start getting more bang for the buck in the Department of Defense, the same is going to happen in regard to military and technological capabilities as well. The good news again, there is bipartisan recognition in both the executive and legislative and in the think tank community, all this needs to happen. Now we must not sleep, but we must act. Thank you for listening.